Good evening. I hope you're all doing well. We are uh, coming to the close of our series uh, on heaven. Uh, this will probably uh, be the next to last uh, series. There's so much to cover that I had to break uh, this uh, fourth part into two other uh, parts just to cover all that we need to cover. And so we are coming to a close. It's been a fun series uh, to do together. Um, I've heard a, a lot from each of y'all. And I'm glad that uh, this series has been a blessing. I know that we could continue this uh, subject indefinitely, and we will, uh, we will undoubtedly uh, circle back around to this uh, later down the road. But tonight, uh, we're going to begin uh, closing this series out, and uh, we're going to be talking a lot about what some of the things uh, we'll, we'll see and we'll experience in our eternal home in the new heaven and new earth. So I'm really excited about our discussion for tonight. Now, as a recap, uh, we've said that Scripture talks about many different heavens, but the heaven that most of us think about when we hear that word really comprise uh, two different heavens. Now, there's the intermediate heaven that currently exists where we go when we die right now, and then there's the eternal heaven that will replace that heaven, uh, which will be created uh, towards the end of the age, and we'll live there for all of eternity. Now, if you're new to this series and you're unfamiliar with some of those concepts, then I really encourage you to go back and to listen or watch uh, some of those first few lessons that we covered some of those topics on. Now, we also covered the resurrection uh, and what that's going to look like. We said that we would be rejoined together with our physical bodies, which will be perfected. And uh, we are not going to be disembodied spirits. We're not going to turn into angels, as some have suggested. Uh, but we're going to be resurrected humans living on a resurrected earth with a resurrected Savior. And so uh, that's what we covered uh, this past week. Now, what we're going to be spending our time tonight discussing is what our new life will be like on that new earth. Uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to see? Uh, and those are some things uh, that I hope to address tonight. Now, I'm really excited about this because when I grew up um, in, in the church and when I first became a Christian, I really had kind of a rather bleak outlook on heaven. Uh, when I was saved at age seven, all that I knew was that everyone was either going to go, uh, it was going to go to one of two places. There was either uh, the really bad place that sounded really scary or the really good place uh, that would include everyone that I, I loved and, and would be a place of peace. Now, I knew I didn't want to go to the bad place, so I prayed for God to save me and uh, to take me to the good place and take me to heaven to live with all my my friends and family. Now, even though I knew that heaven was the place I wanted to go and that I uh, should want to go, all the descriptions that I saw didn't really excite me. Now, I know that might, that might sound bad and, and uh, you know, it doesn't sound like what we should think about with heaven, but again, as a seven-year-old mind thinking about this and seeing the, the different descriptions that I saw at that time of heaven, I really wasn't excited about it because after all, it really just sounded uh, like a really long church service. We'd all uh, sit around uh, on clouds with white choir robes and sing worship songs. And as a seven-year-old, that doesn't really sound all that appealing. Uh, now, thankfully, I've, I've grown uh, from that and I follow Jesus not because I'm trying to avoid hell, uh, but because I truly love him. Uh, and I know and understand now that God's plan for our eternal home with him is far better than the seemingly boring descriptions that I once thought uh, heaven would be like. So 
I'm really excited about uh, sharing with you some of the things I've learned over the years about what our eternal home would be like. Uh, and I hope that you'll be as excited about it as I am. So what will our eternal home be like? That's what I want us uh, to to look at. And we're going to look at several details of what God's Word tells us of what we'll experience. And I hope that we'll all walk away with a clear understanding of heaven and a greater longing for it to come about. Now, the first thing that we need to understand is that our eternal home will be much more familiar uh, than what uh, a lot of people tend to think. Now, the descriptions that we do have in Scripture about our eternal home uh, should sound very familiar to many of us. Uh, for most of us, it's kind of difficult uh, to get excited about something that is unknown, something that we can't really envision or aren't familiar with. As as humans, we kind of love what we're familiar with. Now, uh, this is why when whenever we leave, uh, whether it be on vacations or a long trip, it's always nice coming back home and, and coming back to our bed that fam we're familiar with in our neighborhood and, and things like that. It's just nice being back home. And as great as it is to leave, it's good to be back. Uh, now, one of the things that I believe Scripture teaches is that while our eternal home will be breathtakingly beautiful and new in so many ways, it will be very familiar and share many of the things that we love about God's creation now. So let's take a look at some of the uh, very uh, the various things that we're going to find in the new heaven and new earth. Now, one of the first things uh, that I want us to see is that there is going to be uh, mountains. Uh, we know of at least one mountain, but I believe the scripture uh, gives us uh, room to imagine that there are going to be other mountains as well. And so we see in Revelation 21.10, it says, John says that he is carried away. Uh, it says, he carried me away in the spirit uh, to a great and high mountain. Now, I'll tell you, there are a few things that are more beautiful than a mountain view. I've seen some places that would just take your breath away. And now, it, it should be noted that there's only one mountain mentioned here in Revelation 21. That does not mean that there are not other mountains. Just like, as uh, we'll see in just a little bit, just because there's uh, only one tree of life mentioned in the new heaven and new earth, that doesn't mean that there aren't other types of trees that are going to be there as well. So uh, just imagine being in your glorified body with all your loved ones and being able to watch a sunset over a beautiful mountain range. Again, it's going to be uh, something that uh, is far exceeds anything that we see in this life. But I, again, one of the things that I think we'll be able to look forward to is uh, the diversity of landscape. There are going to be mountain ranges and mountain peaks and stuff like that that we'll be able to enjoy. Another thing that I think uh, Scripture tells us that we're going to be able to see is that there are going to be cities on the new earth. In Revelation 21.10, it says this. John says, And he carried, him, carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now again, this only mentions one city. But we should note that the description that we see here in Revelation of the heavenly Jerusalem mirrors in many ways the description we see in Ezekiel 48. If you have a chance, just take a look at that passage and you'll see that there are many parallels between uh, what John sees in the book of Revelation and what Ezekiel saw in chapter 48. The interesting thing to note about uh, chapter 48 of Ezekiel is that there are places outside of the heavenly city where people will be living as well. So it won't just be everyone living in this heavenly uh, city of Jerusalem, this uh, what I would refer to as the capital city of the new earth. 
but there will also be surrounding areas where people will be able to venture, will be able to live and experience. Now, I know uh, that there will be some uh, who wonder, well, why would anyone want to live outside of the New Jerusalem, the capital of the new uh, earth, the place where uh, Jesus' throne will be, where all the glory of God will be centered? But let me just suggest a few, th a few things real quick as we consider what this might look like and, and why people might venture outside of this New Jerusalem. First, um, if there are other places to live within our eternal home, that new earth, uh, that are outside of the New Jerusalem, it is in no way inferior, okay? All of creation will be heaven at that point because God will be living with us, okay? So Revelation tells us that the gates of the New Jerusalem will never be shut, so there is no one who's going to be barred from entering into this heavenly city. You'll be able to come and go as you please. Uh, and so there's no uh, uh, hierarchy there where you know, uh, the really holy spiritual folks will live in the New Jerusalem and all the lesser Christians will live in the outer edges of the, the New Earth and out in the, the sticks and stuff like that. It won't be like that. It, it will be, uh, everyone will have free access anywhere they want to go, wherever they want to go. We'll be one big family and you'll be able to enter and leave the city as you, as you want to go and explore all of God's creation to his glory and worship him in uh, our new home. Uh, now, also, let me just suggest that I, for one, I prefer living out in the country, more uh, in a more rural setting rather than in a big city. Now, as beautiful as cities can be and as beautiful as I'm sure the New Jerusalem is, my picture of heaven, what I would just love and enjoy doing is living out in the country, living out in the mountains, living out uh, in a more rural setting where I can enjoy all the beauty of God's creation. Uh, and so, uh, isn't it possible, just imagine with me here for a moment, isn't it possible and even likely that God would create an eternal home that is all of that and so much more, that for those uh, who just, they love living in the city, they love the hustle and bustle, they love uh, all the, the amenities and all the, the beauty that cities have, all the culture and, and artistry and all that, that they would be able to live in uh, the heavenly city, that they would be able to enjoy all that. But for those people who, uh, they really don't enjoy being in cities. They love being out in nature. They love being out in the woods. They love being out in pasture lands and the mountain ranges and things like that. Isn't it uh, imaginable that God would create a place where we could all enjoy all of those wonderful things in God's presence, living with him forever and ever and ever? And I think that's kind of what we see in scripture is that, yes, there are, there are cities. There is the capital city. There are probably other uh, cities where people can live, but there's also country fields and, and things like that that we can also enjoy. And so it's also worth noting uh, that we'll come back and we'll come back to this again and again uh, in just a little bit. But Jesus states in Luke 19 when he's describing what our eternal home will be like uh, to his disciples. Uh, he says that it's like a master who rewards his faithful servants and gives them authority over ten cities. And, and some of his servants he gives authority over five cities. So I believe that there's at least some evidence to suggest that it's not just this one city, but there are other cities all throughout uh, the new earth where people will live in a variety of places in which we can spend our lives with our loved ones and with our Lord and Savior. And so uh, just... Again, take all that into consideration when we imagine what our life will be like uh, in our eternal home. Now, another thing that I want us to see 
is that there will also be rivers. In Revelation 22, uh, verse 1, we're told that he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, again, only one river is mentioned here, but that does not mean that there aren't other rivers as well. We need to remember that our eternal home will have more than we have here, not less. It will be better. It's not going to be diminished. And so, yes, there's going to be a river in the new Jerusalem, in that capital city. But there's no reason for us not to uh, uh, imagine that there's also going to be other rivers uh, that we'll be able to explore and have fun. You know, just here recently, I went with the youth uh, uh, tubing uh, down the new river in uh, in Virginia. And what a wonderful time we had there. We, we just uh, uh, lazily uh, sat in these little tubes and drifted down the river and went down some little uh, um, uh, little rapids there, nothing major. But we just had a great time, and it, it was a wonderful, enjoyable time. Why not uh, imagine that in the new heaven, in the new earth, with our the family of God, with our Savior, that we won't do similar things there as well. Go tubing down various rivers and just uh, go fishing in various rivers. Why not experience all the wonderful things that God uh, um, has given us here, also there, but perfected, renewed, glorified. And so I think uh, that there's good evidence to suggest that we'll be able to do all those things and experience all those things there as well. Now, uh, another thing I want us to see is that there will be trees. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 2 says this, In the middle of its streets, talking about the New Jerusalem, in the middle of its street, uh, on, the, on either side uh, of the river, there was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, only uh, the tree of life is mentioned here, but it's reasonable to imagine that there will be other trees there as well. The emphasis here is that uh, is that the tree of life that was in Eden, uh, that was taken from mankind at the fall, is now restored. So basically what it's getting at here is that God's original intention of dwelling uh, with a physical mankind on a physical earth with gardens of trees and an assortment of animals, uh, it, it, this is going to be brought to fruition again at the end of the age. That God's original plan will come uh, come around again where we enjoy all of God's creation and we reign and rule with Him. And so just like there were... Uh, uh, there was a garden with lots of different trees and fruits to enjoy. Uh, in Genesis, we're, we also see that in the new heaven and new earth, we'll be in our eternal home enjoying uh, this wonderful garden and all the various vegetations uh, that, that there's going to be. You know, one of the things I, I love to do is gardening. I love uh, being out in my garden. I have some watermelons that are growing right now. I have tomatoes and uh, um, corn and all different things that I, I just enjoy being out there. Not only do I enjoy uh, reaping the harvest of that and enjoying that, but just being out there and being a part of that. And I believe that those are some of the things that we're also going to enjoy in the new earth. And so uh, just another thing for us to look forward to. Now, uh, there is evidence that there will also be animals in our eternal home. Just like, again, in Genesis uh, 1 and 2, we see God's original plan is a physical mankind on a physical earth 
with trees and gardens and animals, a variety of animals. And so that was his plan, and that is what he's going to accomplish, and that is what we'll enjoy in the new heaven and new earth. Now, one of the interesting passages I want to draw your attention to is in uh, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has a description of what the coming Messiah will be like, what he's going to accomplish, and how the earth is going to be transformed. And we see in chapter 11 of the book of Isaiah this description. He says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child shall play at the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. Now, there is a whole lot that we could unpack there, but we're just going to focus on a few things here and there. Uh, and one of the things I want us to, to note here is that there are, in fact, animals here in the new heaven and new earth that is described. In this passage, Isaiah lists several animals. He lists wolves, lambs, which would also imply sheep, leopards, goats, cows, lions, bears, and yes, even snakes. Now, I know that uh, would probably bother some of y'all, but notice what it says here uh, in this passage. that The animals are not exactly the way that they are here, that uh, now animals uh, devour one another. There are animals that are poisonous, animals that are dangerous, things like that. But that wasn't always the case. That happened as a result of the fall. And so what Isaiah is actually depicting here is not only will there be a whole host of animals that will be present there in the new creation, in our eternal home, but these animals will be fundamentally different, at least in how they interact with one another and in their composition, in the sense that uh, lions will no longer be eating meat, they'll be eating vegetation. Uh, snakes will no longer be dangerous and venomous. In fact, uh, it says here that there will be kids who will be able to play with these animals and it won't be dangerous for them. Okay, and so uh, it shows here that animals will be the same, but there will also be differences. Much like in our resurrected bodies, it will still be my body, it will still be uh, this flesh, but I will be, in other ways, very fundamentally different. And so that will be the case with these animals as well. Now, again, we've said this repeatedly, but it bears mentioning again. Uh, this doesn't mean that just the, just the animals mentioned here in Isaiah are the, are the only animals that are going to be present in the new heaven and new earth. Just because he mentions these doesn't exclude anything else. In fact, we see in Revelation, uh, when Jesus uh, comes for the battle of Armageddon, he's riding on a white horse. And so uh, we see that there's also going to be horses there, but Isaiah doesn't mention that. And so it goes to say, just like there's only one mountain mentioned in Revelation doesn't mean that there aren't other mountains. Just because there's only one tree mentioned and one river mentioned doesn't mean that there's not other trees and other rivers. And just because there's these select animals mentioned doesn't mean that there aren't other animals that are going to be present there as well. I believe uh, that just like God created a variety of animals in the beginning, there will also be a variety, an variety of animals in the new heaven and in the new earth. Now, the question most people want to know regarding animals and our eternal home is whether or not their pets will be there as well. Now, I need to be very clear here. Scripture does not touch on this subject directly. And so um, I will point out a few things that we need to consider. But again, just keep in mind uh, that Scripture doesn't directly touch on this. And so hold what I'm about to say uh, very loosely. Okay. 
Now, the first thing I want to mention, as we've already mentioned uh, before, there is evidence in Scripture that animals will be present with us. Okay, we already saw that clearly in Isaiah and in other uh, portions of Scripture. The second thing I want us to mention, on top of the fact that animals are mentioned as being in the new heaven and new earth, is that while animals are not created in the image of God, let me stress that, they're not created in the image of God, that, that is reserved only for humans, okay? Scripture does seem to indicate that they do have some type of soul. The animals do have some form of soul, even though it's not likely uh, anything close to what our human soul is like, okay? The Hebrew word for soul is, uh, and it's the same word that's used in Genesis 1 and 2 regarding the human soul that God has given us, is the word nephesh, all right? Now, this is used also to refer to what animals have, that they have some kind of nephesh, some kind of soul as well. Again, let me, this is really important that I emphasize this, that does not mean that people and animals are the same, or that animals are created in the image of God like people are, or that animals can sin, or that they need a savior, or anything like that, okay? All it's saying is that they may have a soul similar, but not the same as, we humans have, okay? Now, again, the importance of that is that animals may have some spiritual element to them that allows them to continue, uh, the, these present animals that we see on the earth today, to continue into the new creation. Now, uh, it's worth noting that uh, renowned theologians Gary Haber, uh, Habermas and J.P. Moreland also state in their book, Beyond Death, uh, they state this. It says, It wasn't until the advent of the 17th century Enlightenment that the existence of animal souls were even questioned in Western civilization. Throughout, now notice this next part, throughout the history of the church, the classic understanding of living things uh, as included, uh, has included the doctrine that animals, as well as humans, have souls. So, if this is true, it would basically mean that in heaven, I would not only see my little uh, pug dog, uh, I would not only see a little pug dog like I had in my childhood, uh, as my childhood pet, um, whose name was Otis. He was a sweet little pug dog that I, I, I raised as a puppy, and uh, I just I just loved him to death. Not only will I see a, a dog like Otis, but I would also actually see Otis himself again, and he and I would be able to enjoy him for all of eternity. If in fact our pets have souls, not the same as, but similar to people, then it is um, it is likely, or it is at least feasible that God would include those animals, their souls, and their renewed body in the new creation. So it is at least possible uh, that we would, in fact, have our pets in eternity. In fact, uh, talking about this issue, uh, Joni Erickson Tata uh, wrote this. She said, if God brings our pets back to life, it wouldn't surprise me. It would be just like him. It would be totally in keeping with his generous character exorbitant, excessive, extravagant in grace after grace. Of all the dazzling discoveries and uh, ecstatic pleasures heaven will hold for us, the potential of seeing Scrappy would be pure whimsy, utterly, joyfully, surprisingly superfluous. Heaven is going to be a place that will reflect, uh, refract and reflect uh, in many uh, as 
in as many ways as possible the goodness and joy of our great God who delights in lavishing love on his children. So just because uh, um, uh, just because animals are not exactly like us, they're not created in the image of God, they don't have a soul just like us, doesn't mean that God does not care for them, doesn't mean that he does not glory uh, in all of his creation, not just in humans, but in all of his creation. And also, uh, it does not mean that he, he, he won't lavish upon us the great gift of being able to enjoy these animals who are so near and dear to so many of our hearts. So, while it doesn't definitively state it in Scripture, it is not outside the realm of possibility that our loving, generous, gracious Heavenly Father would allow us to enjoy uh, these pets that He has given to us in this life, also be able to enjoy them in the next life as well. So, uh, while there are a lot of things that we will be uh, that will be familiar to us in the new heaven, I want us to take just a moment and note a few things uh, that are going to be very unfamiliar. Uh, to us when we experience our eternal home. Now, one example of this is Scripture tells us that there will be no need of the sun or moon. All right, and so we enjoy a beautiful day now with the sun out, and we enjoy nighttime skies with all the stars. But we see, at least in Revelation twenty-one twenty-three, uh, that there is no need of the sun in the new heaven and new earth. It says this in, in Revelation twenty-one twenty-three. It says. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And then jumping forward to verse 25, it says, In the daytime, for there is no, need, uh, for there is no night there, its gates will never be closed. Talking about the New Jerusalem. Now, there's a few things that it's important for us to know. First, it does not say that there isn't a sun or a moon. Uh, as, as though they don't exist anymore. Instead, it says there's no need of a sun or a moon because the glory of God will illuminate the city. So in the new Jerusalem, there will be this perpetual glow of the glory of God. Uh, and that's why it says in verse 25 that there's no night because there's no darkness, because there's this constant glow of the glory of God shining there. Now, when some hear this, they worry that they won't be able to enjoy the night sky. There are some people who enjoy getting a telescope out and looking at all the stars and watching shooting stars streak across the sky and seeing uh, the beautiful moon at night and so forth. But remember, this is not saying that there's no longer any sun, moon, or stars. It's just saying that in the New Jerusalem, that new capital city of uh, the New Earth, there won't be any need of them, again, because of the glory of God shining. And it's not saying that there won't be any night at all in all of the new earth and new creation, but that in John's vision of the new Jerusalem, in that capital city, there won't be any night there because the God's glory will just be shining so brightly. So remember, as we said earlier, there will be other places where we can live, where we can explore, and where we can enjoy all the beauties of creation. So you might not see uh, the stars and the moon and the new Jerusalem because it's so bright with the glory of God. But perhaps if you were to leave that city and go into the surrounding countryside or on the mountain peaks or wherever it is that we will be able to explore a new creation, maybe there we'll be able to see the sunset and sunrise. Maybe there we'll be able to see the beautiful stars and moon and things of that nature. And so just keep that in mind as, as we think through some of these details. It will be different, but there will still be some similarities. All right. 
So we're going to pause there uh, for now. Like I said, there's so much more uh, that we're going to cover. I had to break this part into two other parts because there's so much to cover. Next week, we're going to cover what are some of the things that we're going to be doing. So here tonight, we talked about what we're going to see uh, and some of the things we'll experience. But what are we going to be doing in the new heaven and new earth? Are we just going to be singing hymn songs uh, throughout uh, for millions and millions of years through all of eternity? Or will we be able to be doing other things as well? And so I hope that you'll uh, join us uh, next week as we continue and finish out this series. And we'll explore more of what are some of the things that we are going to be doing and what are some of the things that we'll be occupying our time in uh, the new heaven and new earth for all of eternity. So again, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We look forward to seeing you next week as well. Take care and God bless.